Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of Life is No Coincidence, The Life and Afterlife Connection, and The Living Spirit, which shares stories of awakenings, spiritual communication, healing energies, miracles, and soul life. I am delighted today to welcome Johnson Miller, author of Dream Patterns, which teaches us to identify the significant, meaningful patterns in our dreams and how to use that awareness to make necessary changes in our everyday lives. Hello, Johnson, and thank you for joining us on Healing from Within. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks so much for having me on. Johnson, as listeners of Healing from Within well know, my guests and I share our personal experiences and insights into a world of energy and possibility, hoping to further recognize and know our true nature as spiritual beings having a physical life and learning to move with less fear and restriction so we may create a more prosperous, beautiful life journey. In today's episode of Healing from Within, perhaps we may learn to distinguish between those few the few dreams that are really significant in isolation and may reflect major life and spiritual changes. We may learn how to discard the fluff and recognize crucial dream patterns as we discover how as we sleep our brain analyzes and synthesizes what we have seen throughout our busy day. Some books encourage decoding symbols, but Johnson Miller takes a radical new approach and shows how the important recurring themes can actually change our lives. Johnson teaches history at Drexel University and is a member of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. Johnson, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person or a place or an event uh, that may have shown them or others certain important interests and passions that they would have and whether this would lead them to the work or lifestyle that they are living as adults because I believe uh, within the child is already the blueprint for their destiny and their life journey. So, yeah, Certainly, uh, and probably looking at my dreams is probably something I've been doing in my life longer than just about anything else. It certainly precedes my uh, direct interest in, uh, in history, for example. I, dreams, their dreams are just so weird and, and fascinating. I mean, they're, and I just always liked strange things, even as a kid. Well, I, there's one extraordinary dream I had when I was uh, a child, uh, where the dream itself is nothing special about it. It was my father had taken me and my brother sled riding, and in this dream, I watched my brother go down the hill on a sled. He goes on a, over a jump. And you know how there's that way, like if you land on your butt just the wrong way, it sends that horrible pain up through your uh, up through your, your spine, sort of temporary. Mm -hmm. It's just this awful feeling that's indescribable. Well, he lands and he has that, that pain, and then uh, in the dream I see him laying there in the snow and me and a bunch of strangers and my father gathered around him looking down at him. Well, a few weeks later, I think it was just a few weeks later, uh, my father took my, me and my brother sled riding, and my brother went down the hill and he went over this jump and he landed on his butt like that, and all of us, everybody around, rushes to him to see if he's okay as he lays in the snow. And I look up and I see all these strangers' faces and my father and look down and see my brother. I thought, I just dreamt that a few weeks ago. 
so that it's the only time any I've had a a, a prophetic like that. yeah you had a prophetic dream and, yeah. and then it happened and uh, many of us have that I'm an intuitive medium and uh, healer and uh, I've had dreams like that too and I'm going to tell you about a dream that I had that's a very interesting dream now I uh, tw- it was 23 years ago before I was involved in this work. And before I actually believed in any of this uh, metaphysical science or quantum physics, and I was just living pretty much a physical life, like everybody else interested in just, uh, you know, my next vacation and my work and my family, and I'm pretty much not in tune with a lot of these ideas. Even though I was born with this gift, I wasn't really following it up. So the dream I had was this. I was sick with the flu and I was trying to sleep and all of a sudden my grandfather was standing on my right side in a shadow. I knew it was him and he was trying to tell me something uh, but I couldn't quite hear it and then suddenly I knew in my thoughts he was saying I had to write something for my father and I awoke and I was very confused by what had happened. And the next day I received a call from my mother that my father had passed, like your dream. And without even thinking about it or understanding what had happened, uh, I wrote his eulogy. Um, And I couldn't forget the feeling that went on in that dream. And a couple of years down the road, through a coincidental event, another thought went through my head when someone was talking to me about a book by a psychic medium. And I, 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 the thought went through my head, read that book. And so I did. It was one last time. And in that book, I learned the difference between a dream and a spiritual visitation, which is energy from other realms of life that come to to help you or call you to a higher level of uh, understanding your life plan or destiny and opening up to higher consciousness. So uh, it wasn't an ordinary dream of a daytime event, just, just as yours wasn't an ordinary dream. So dreams don't only help us interpreting our ordinary life, but it sometimes helps us to remember more about who we really are and to go beyond just our physical uh, challenges uh, to trust in a higher universal plan. Now, Johnson, you say not all dreams are meaningful for interpretation. Can you tell sure. us why? Yeah, so like the examples of dreams that we both gave here, these really are extraordinary dreams. And I think you know most dreams just in and of themselves aren't like that, but if we can pay it attention to what most of our dreams are like, then when these really extraordinary dreams happen, we can really uh, recognize them and, and take advantage of them, uh, take the lessons from them that, uh, that we can. And so I, there's a lot of things that go into, into making up dreams. And I think there can be lots of causes for where dreams uh, come, uh, come from. And I tend not to worry about the, the origins of dreams. Right. A lot of things go into making it up. Um, and I mean, I think you know, some clearly are just physical sensations. Uh, that we experience at night. Our, our senses don't shut off when we sleep. And so something like a bright light turning on while we're sleeping can get incorporated into our dreams. It's not meaningful for interpretation. Our dreams, especially earlier in the night, are often just reprocessing or seem to be, appear to be just playing over the stuff from the previous day. If you, so if you have dreams where it's just the stuff happened from the day before, 
probably not particularly uh, meaningful. And But even in dreams that don't appear in and of themselves to be meaningful, if we pay attention to them over a long period of time, recording them, noting the, the, uh, the characters that keep popping up in them, uh, the settings that they take place in, you might start to notice, you will start to notice, I'll just say that's a fact, you will notice uh, re- that there are recurring images in there, recurring characters, recurring themes, recurring set, um, settings, that even an individual dream that's not meaningful in and of itself, embedded in these are these re- recurring images that are significant. The reason they keep popping up is because they are important to us, and they keep pushing their way into our dreams. And so we can abstract out these, these patterns in in seemingly meaningless dreams to find a meaningful pattern that reflects something about the meanings or, sorry, patterns that are in our waking lives. Yes, absolutely. You also give a systematic approach to recording dreams. You know, it's important that we write them down every night. And even if we don't have a dream, you say that you should list that night and the date and write it down. And uh, tell us something about the systematic approach and what we need to begin to ask for every dream so we can uh, find out great detail and train our mind also to start remembering a lot of the pieces. What is the approach to start with? So when you're – the top thing is just write down something every morning. I have so many times in my dream journal written down, did not recall any dreams. It happens. At least if you write that down, it will help train you or uh, it's almost like showing gratitude to your dreams when they do come. And they'll be like, oh, he's paying attention. Let's show up more. Um, And so just writing that, did not recall any dreams, to be more likely to remember some than the next day. So write down something, anything at all. Um, And then when um, so dreams can have lots of detail in them, just like you know, the real world, there's all sorts of detail, most of which may, may just be random. Something's got to be there in the dream. And so it can be tricky to figure out how much detail to write down. And part of that is just over time you'll figure it out. You know, it, it's about context. Uh, so if there's an, uh, you see an accident and a police officer uh, is asking you what happened, you're not going to bother reporting on what the driver's color of the driver's clothing was because that didn't matter. Um, they need to know what, what caused this accident and if anybody's hurt. But if you saw a crime being committed by someone and a police officer asked about it, then you would say, oh, well, the person was wearing such and such clothes because it really matters if they want to find that, that person. So the detail that you need to write down depends on, on context. context. But you should pay attention to, um, in general, the who, what, where, when, why, and how. I just use those little journalistic questions we all learned in junior high or, or high school um, yeah, but but they but they work because if you yes. follow that, you're going to get a great deal of detail and information. And over time, you're going to start to see a pattern of the people, where and when it happens, and why. And yes. it's going to be more meaningful and help you make perhaps changes in your everyday life uh, that are replaying themselves out in the dream for your consciousness uh, to make certain decisions or choices. Now, you also summarize by saying, if you do not dream, write that down. Answer the questions, who, what, when, and why. And you say to choose a voice for recording your dreams, either the first, second, or third person, and a tense for recording either past or present, and uh, record the date, of course, of your dream. Maybe even the day of week would be good, too. 
and a title for your dream. So I, I like that you're very uh, specific and you give a, a good pattern for us to start to follow and keep that journal by our uh, bedside. Now, you know, many years ago I was told to record all the coincidences and synchronicities that happened. And I did it for years, and I wrote my first two books from those mm -hmm. journals. So, because, of course, we're not going to remember everything if we don't uh, put it down. And there, you will start to see in journaling the dreams that there is a pattern. As I saw in my journaling, uh, a theme or pattern going through the people I was meeting, the places I was going to, the questions I was answering, asking, and the answers I was finding uh, that eventually helped me write two books. Now, let's go on, Johnson. What is the role of consciousness in our dreams? This is important. People think the dream state is so different from our wakeful state, and it really isn't. So tell us about that. Yeah, I think one thing we can say it's true of both uh, the dreaming state and the waking state is that they both possess a, a spectrum of consciousness. Sometimes when, in the waking world, we're more conscious and aware than others. You, know, you can get lost in a, in a daydream or whatever. And when we're dreaming, that, that same spectrum exists. We often think of dreams as either you're conscious or you're not. And most dreams are when you're, you're not conscious and you're just passively observing this, um, this dream. Many of your listeners might be familiar with lucid dreaming, which is... Uh, dream when uh, you are, are consciously aware of the fact that you're dreaming, and when you are aware of the fact that you're dreaming, often you can take control of it, and there's people who, who really focus on developing that skill. But there's a whole lot in between that I discovered that has a real impact on our dreams that we really have to understand if we're going to interpret them, because there's uh, what I refer to as sub-lucid dreams, where you're not aware of the fact that you're dreaming, but regular waking consciousness like a problem-solving consciousness, an interpretive consciousness is still there trying to make sense of things. Mm. In the dream world, it, it, there's a lot in it that doesn't make sense. It's not a logical world. And often you can have a dream where, uh, like, mechanical things don't work the way that they, they normally do. Uh, mm -hmm. like, uh, a classic one is light switches don't work <laughs> in dreams. And so you flick on a light switch in a dream, and then the light doesn't go on or, or, or go off. That interpretive problem-solving consciousness might be there trying to figure out, oh, why is that? what's going on here and then you can often get confusion in dreams um, because the world doesn't work the way that your conscious mind expects it to it's like it's like yeah in Alice in Wonderland yeah. <laughs> she was having a dream that whole book was written from a dream state and it showed how things didn't work and people and animals dressed and looked differently and said strange things it, it was I never thought about it before, but that yeah, right. really shows the state of a dream and how much comes out of it, because when she woke up, she was a different person. And one of the things that's really important about understanding these states of consciousness is, uh, so imagine, well, here's a pattern that I have uh, in my dreams. I'm at either a train station or an airport, something to do with the transportation, and I'm struggling to find my, uh, maybe I lost my ticket or I'm trying to find the right gate uh, at, the, at the airport. There's all sorts of confusion. I always end up missing my, my train and uh, then just trying to you know, forget it and just, just go home. And so it might seem like, oh, I've got this pattern of I'm um, trying to get somewhere and I can't get there and I'm frustrated. But, in fact, the only pattern that's there is dreaming about transportation because all that confusion isn't um, a part of the meaningful, interpretable part. That's just uh, uh, my 
that, that spectrum of consciousness, that problem-solving, interpretive part of the consciousness, trying to make sense of this world, and the frustration that comes from trying to do so because it doesn't make sense. And so when you recognize that level of consciousness operating, you can avoid trying to interpret something. like Because that could be really significant. Why do I dream about being confused and lost all the time? I mean, that sounds really important. But in my case, it turned out it's not. It's just right. that, that important is why am I dreaming about transportation and, and travel all the time? That's what's, what's significant there. Because maybe, so maybe that's what you were born to do. That's why you liked history. I also, <laughs> when I was yeah. younger, liked history, and I've also traveled a bit, and I consider it a great uh, privilege and honor uh, to have been able to explore the world. It's a great gift, and uh, so maybe in our dreams we explore the world. But getting back to um, lucid dreamers, uh, you say that a desire for flight is common among uh, lucid dreamers. And uh, before I knew what lucid dreaming was, I was having them. And I'm going to give you an example. I, I was in meditation. Uh, and when I first started 20 years ago, this spiritual journey to develop my own understanding of what had happened with that dream with my grandfather, um, and which led me to become an intuitive healer and medium, uh, I was in Barbados at my first spiritual week-long uh, training session, and I didn't even know why I was there at, at that time. I just felt guided to be there. And I sat on a bench by myself looking at over a waterway to the town that was beyond it, and I closed my eyes. I was in meditation. And all of a sudden, I felt myself flying fast across that water. And I didn't exactly know what it was. And now I know it was my spirit, <laughs> because the spirit wishes to rise above. The energy of the spirit wishes to leave the body sometimes, which is uh, very cumbersome for it, and to be free. And then another time, I was at a workshop, and we were in a deep meditation, and I felt myself flying under the water. And I said to myself, you know, I don't have a breathing apparatus. How is this happening? So I was talking to myself in the dream and tried to figure out what was happening. And I saw myself going towards this island with these huge uh, modern glass uh, buildings with gold tops. And it turned out uh, one of the other people there had a similar event happen and he told me he believed that was Atlantis the ancient city of Atlantis so uh, lucid dreaming is quite exciting <laughs> yeah, and, and you, you don't have to be frightened by it and if you know what's happening it's even better so for our listeners out there it could happen anytime in meditation in daydreaming of course in sleeping often accompanying uh, uh, spontaneous flight in lucid dreaming is, uh, is a sense of incredible ecstasy. And that is so characteristic, not even necessarily of your flying, but of, of lucid dreams, that in that sudden recognition of the fact that you were dreaming and consciousness being liberated in that, uh, in that dream is just a sudden rush of, of ecstasy. In fact, this can sometimes be a problem because the feeling for me is often so strong that I wake up from the lucid dream immediately because of that sudden burst of, um, of, of ecstatic feeling that comes with it. But that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, no problem. It's all okay. Nothing to be afraid. Dreams are a great tool, like meditation and yoga and awakening yourself to the possibilities that you're more than your physical life. But let's go on to how can we use dreams to change unhelpful 
or unhealthy patterns in our life. And Sigmund Freud had some ideas about it, and perhaps also Joseph Campbell. Want to tell us something about that? Yeah, so Freud... um Freud had obviously you know, brilliant insights into dreams, but he interpreted all dreams in, in the same way, that they were all expressions of, of desire. And I, I, my experience, it's, it's, that's just not true. It I agree. That's not true. Just, yeah, he was wrong. But Carl, uh, but Carl Jung believed differently. Yes, right. Um, but with, uh, so the sort of pattern, I'll give it a quick example of the sort of pattern I'm, I'm thinking of. So when I was... Um, it, when I finally realized that patterns are the way to go with interpreting dreams, I was in uh, junior high, and I thought I was very happy and well-adjusted. I kept having these dreams about animals with exaggerated fangs and claws who were really aggressive and coming at me, and it didn't make sense with my waking pattern of, of getting along with animals very well and, and, and loving them and not being afraid of them. And so I thought, wow, what's going on here? And I started paying attention throughout the throughout the day and recognizing that, well, actually there were these feelings of anxiety and vulnerability that were coming up that I wasn't recognizing. And so by recognizing this ongoing pattern of these, uh, um, of anxiety and fear dreams in my dream life, I was able to recognize these, this pattern of anxiety in my waking life. And then recognizing that, I was then able to take control of it. So when those feelings of anxiety would emerge, I would recognize them. Uh, I, I recognized where they came from, that they were no longer helpful, and I let them go. And it became a new habit. As they arose, I let them go. Over time, the feelings came less and less, and then those dreams of anxiety subsided as well. As I changed the pattern in my waking life, the pattern in my dream life changed. Right. They were defense mechanisms that were based on maybe perhaps ingrained patterns from childhood, which we all yes. have, and which we need Excellent. to let go of. We need to recognize them, and we need to know uh, they're not our reality now. So that that's great. Now, we were talking a little bit about Jungian big dreams and mythological content. You and I gave some big dreams already that we've had. So uh, tell us something more about that. So here, um, so Carl Jung, who came up with the term big dream, and I think these are wonderful, wonderful dreams. And these are dreams where they are in and of themselves as individual dreams, uh, intensely meaningful. In fact, they're the most meaningful dreams I've had in my life. And these are dreams that are just packed with mythological imagery. In fact, it's not that they're packed with mythological imagery. They are little mini personal myths that are being uh, revealed to us uh, while we sleep. So here's an example of one I had as a... Uh, uh, when in adolescence, I had uh, dreams of um, like three women, the classic maiden mother crone sort of image, and one of the the women went to a cabinet full of goblets and chalices, grabbed one and handed it to me, thinking uh, you know images of the Holy Grail. And there was more to this dream. You can read about it, the full dream in the book. It's clearly mythological imagery. And when I woke from this uh, this dream, I felt as if. Uh, some great mystery had been revealed to me. I couldn't consciously articulate the meaning of this dream for me, and I didn't need to. It was like a force in and of itself. And Jung argued that these dreams uh, were particularly active when we were going through some major change in our lives, which could be a developmental thing, like going through adolescence, or a major spiritual development in our lives, um, or some period of crisis where these dreams show us ways to um, to take on new roles as we shift from one part of our life to another or how to adapt to uh, periods of crises uh, and and change and and if we can recognize dream patterns we can sort of out the 
the noise from the signal in our dreams by recording them all the time, recognizing the patterns, when something like this pops up that is so clearly distinct, we can recognize it and really get the full, uh, the, the full benefit of it. Whereas if we're not paying attention to dream patterns and recognizing the noise and the uninterpretable dreams, these sorts of dreams could get lost uh, into that. All right. So it isn't really the imagery, but it's the visceral power of these dreams that mark them as big. So big dreams like myths and art are to be felt and lived, right? Not merely known, but to be yeah, lived well, and they, to be brought they, into our lives. I think they cannot be known. That's the thing. Myths are so deep. You can, I can come up with explanations of, of a myth or a big dream, but then you can just keep digging. They're bottomless, and you keep finding more and more meaning, and the ultimate meanings are inarticulable, and we have to we feel them oh, and embrace oh, them. Yes, yeah, so they're not merely known. They're never completely known. The mystery goes on and on, right? Yes, That's absolutely. How, that's how it would be. Okay, so... Uh, we've told everybody how they can begin to work with their dreams by journaling and uh, recognizing uh, a pattern over time. What would you like readers of Dream Patterns to take away with them after reading your book? Um, that, well, one thing is you've got to journal every day. You've, that will keep the dreams coming. That will allow you to recognize the patterns. It will also allow you to recognize the individual dreams that are uh, that are individually important. Um, that it's you're going to get as much out of this as you put into it. Because the real work of working with your dream patterns isn't in recognizing the dreams. It's in then recognizing the patterns in your waking life and then taking the steps uh, to um, remove unhelpful patterns and to learn to live more skillfully. And that doesn't just happen instantly. And so you got to record the dreams, but then you got to go on beyond that and do the work in your in your waking life because that's what the that's where the value of dreams is in. Well, that's what I tell clients also. They've got to be consistent. This is a process, and 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 it's never ending. So we want awareness of these patterns to liberate us uh, from them and empower us to live our lives more skillfully. So consistency is the key here uh, to success and to, to improving our lives, basically. So I want to thank you, Johnson Miller, author of Dream Patterns, for a very clear, concise way to approach the value and meaning of dreams without focusing undue attention on the individual elements of the dream. Dreams are mystifying, but often the key to fulfilling our dearest desires. For more information and to purchase this enlightening exploration of dreams, go to Johnson, that's spelled J-O-N-S-O-N, Miller at WordPress.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we find that in dreams are the values and needs of our individual soul essence and a powerful connection to universal energy and the life force of existence. As life is a journey of the soul, as it remembers who we are and where we come from, often in dreams we have our most uplifting and enlightening moments. The quote, to sleep perchance to dream, implies the need we have as humans to allow ourselves to relax into the memory of the past, present, and future, and to find peace in that state of connected being. As Johnson wrote, as you become more mindful and self-aware, 
you will be better able to penetrate the waking patterns that your dreams are pointing to. Moreover, you will start to become aware of the deep source of your patterns. With awareness comes the ability to accept these patterns, determine whether they're helpful or not, and if not, to let them go. Mythological imagery may become prominent also during periods of deep philosophical and spiritual change. As we search for more self-awareness and how to master our emotions in order to transition from one stage to another in life, many of us find tools to help us and to learn more about our human and energetic life forces. Dreams are a very important tool to this continuing growth, and Johnson and I would hope you learn to appreciate your dreams as another key and tool to creating what is best for you in your life journey and to use that knowledge with gratitude and love. For in moving from the dark elements of a dream or a thought or reality, we are following a path of self-growth, and that is the main reason for having a physical life. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to listen to and read about the dreamers, visionaries, scientists, spiritualists, holistic healers, metaphysicians, and musicians, and artists share their discoveries and help us appreciate life in its multidimensional aspects. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.